five, four, three, two, one. Okay, we're back, baby. Uh, we're back. To, baby. <laughs> we're back discussing um, the last discussion we had on Take Gander, where we t- were talking about pro wrestling matches. We we're talking about Fred Rogers and Bob Ross and their respective shows. Uh, here we go. Let's we jump right into it. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. This is the I don't think they people can see you put your thumbs. Up. I know this is the problem. So <laughs> behind the scenes, we we're on Discord now. We're, we're on a, a video call. Me oh and... Lord, should we put that out? Should we have an above the board Discord? Maybe know, that sounds interesting. Maybe you're hearing it here Maybe. first, folks. We're yeah. gonna do it probably. We do shit off the cuff. But that's the, that's the problem with this is now I'm like I'm hamming up my reaction yeah. for the video, <laughs> but no one can. See. No one knows because you're just doing the audio. There's been a couple of times where I'm nodding yes and forgetting to talk. Uh, well, so we're learning, folks. The next one. I guess All the right. next two, right? Because they're kind the of. The next two, yes. Uh, Ray Phoenix versus Penta L Zero. Yes. All right, folks. Or as Justin Roberts calls him, he does the roll in the R's. The... Can do that. I love it, dude. Can you roll your R's? I wish I could, man. Yeah, I can't do that. Just I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to do it anymore. Are we allowed to do that? Is that cultural appropriation? I feel I, like I have to... I don't know. I really... Maybe. I mean, as long as I'm not making fun of them, right? Like, oh, as long yeah. as I'm not making fun of people. I, yeah, I think that's a gray area I don't care to swim in. <laughs> that's, uh, no, I can't... It doesn't matter. It's a moot point. I can't roll my R's. So, really, I'm just jealous. That's all it is. I'm just jealous. Hold on. Hold Are you on. looking it up? Yes. Yeah. See now, folks, I get to watch his eyes switch to his screen, and I see the uh, computer in his glasses. Oh my lord! As long as we're okay. not like, as long as one isn't the butt, of, as long as the butt of the joke, if there is a joke, uh, people who are rolling their R's, who can roll their R's, you know, I just can't roll my R's. Okay. Either can I. Let's move forward with Ray Phoenix and Penta L Zero. Uh, so first Let's off, folks, you, what is very interesting about this match is we just talked about the match with oh, because we skipped that one. Now I have to go back a thousand ones. Uh, Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers. Mm-hmm. This is a match between the Lucha Brothers, and just not so their you first. know, not their first. No, not their first. They did talk a lot about that. Um, and not their last, uh, but I found it interesting. You you sent that to me that it was this was the case, and then as I was reading more about it, um, I, I thought it was fascinating that these two really are brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was cool. Um, they've got about I think a four or five year age gap between them. Um, one is definitely a better acrobat than the other, mm-hmm. uh, definitely. But both of them are pretty good. Uh, but I don't want to start with this, uh, with these two. Okay. I want to start with that motherfucking idiot that comes out in the beginning. Kenny, shut the fuck up, whatever the hell your name is, or Eddie. Eddie or Kingston. Eddie. Fuck him. <laughs> fuck him. I, I personally want to be there when somebody like beats the shit out of him because I don't like him. At all. At all. He is the the 
quintessential dude bro from Jersey Shore who thinks he's fuck him. I no. No. And I'm sorry, folks, for all of the foul language. We're going to put up a disclaimer that there's a lot of foul language. Fuck him. <laughs> uh, brother, you just got worked. Eddie Kingston oh. is one of the best promos in all of wrestling. He, The way he's able to talk and get people to feel how he wants them to feel, it's like fucking magic, dude. And he, it's amazing. I hate him. And it's, oh. and I'm going to, I'm going to overlap both of these two because the second match is these two brothers again. Um, so I'm, I'm going to talk about both of them because they're both pretty short and it's, sure. there's a lot of similarities and Eddie is again in that one. Um, and he gets up at one point and he's talking and they start yelling. He's like, I don't need you to, to cheer for me. Or he's like, I don't need you to call me. I know my name. And yep. I'm like. I want somebody to come out and beat your ass because I hate you. I well, hate you. I've got, if you want to see people beat his ass, like for weeks on end, he's recently been put into a feud with the AEW world champion, Kenny Omega. <laughs> with, that would actually be interesting to watch. Send me one of those. I'll watch it. I don't think they've fought yet. One well, on I want to see. But it. I think they've been part of like a tag team or something um, okay. and fought against each other in like the same match or at the very least they've, they've, they quote unquote broke his ankle. Um, okay. Uh, at the end of one of the episodes, but yeah, Eddie Kingston. I don't know him as a person, so I can't speak to him as a person. But as a character, his character is perfect for what they want him to do. Um, Fine, as a character, great. But as I hated the character, so I mean, if that's the yeah. point, then then he pulls it off because I fucking hated him. Like I said, like he he's one of those he's one of those promos where you really can't. I I, I could not genuinely tell you. Does he believe what he's saying? Like, does he legitimately yeah. think wrestling is real? Like, I I don't know because he... his acting is good. If he if he doesn't, yeah. his acting is really good. And I, you know, I give props to that. He did but a yeah, podcast I, with Ray, Renee Paquette uh, on her oral sessions. I might have to look that one up now that I have a face and I know who this person is. That would be interesting. Yeah. Pardon me. Um. Anyways, so the match. I the lied. Matches. I lied about the last one, and I lied intentionally. Oh, really? I said that that was the worst of all of them. Uh-oh. This one, and I am not lying here. Uh, spoiler alert, I actually enjoyed the last one. Um, this one, these two, were the absolute... These were hard to get through as far as watching mm-hmm. wrestling. The choreography was so fucking lame. The... It looked like they just scribbled this shit on a napkin and practiced really? behind the scenes. Yeah, I felt like there was so much stop, go, stop, go, stop, go. Even to the point hmm. of a lot of the moves, there was missteps in the count. Like you could see them counting. You could see the like one, two, three, four. And it was fucking horrible. Huh. I was – and the part that bothered me, I wanted this to be good. I they, there's some great aerial stuff in this, so don't get me wrong. Like when I say I didn't like it, and to, I'm not saying that the whole match was a piece of shit. There were just parts that really bothered me with the choreography. The mm-hmm. aerial stuff is phenomenal. Um, Ray does that uh, that jumping over the ropes and does the uh, the spin. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, it wasn't three or four spins. It was fucking two. 
so just I went back and counted it because <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course like, you these, did. These jackasses are like it's like it wasn't that many. But yeah, it was two. Um, so there's a lot of really cool aerial movement that does require precise choreography. Mm-hmm. So I want that to be said. Like I get that. This is stuff that if you make a mistake on these moves, if you're just off a little bit, somebody can honestly get injured. And seriously, whether it be, you know, a broken neck, back, you know, torn ligaments, I mean, there is some serious damage mm-hmm. that can be done if these moves go wrong. So I get the need to do that. But it was so obvious that I just was like, oh, my God, do these two even practice? Your brothers, for Christ's sake. Um, so that really, it really got me down. Do you want to say anything about that before I go to my next point that bothered me? Well, I just, I'm surprised, honestly. I Really? I wonder how much of this comes from, I, I mean, like I said before, I love Ray and Penta's styles. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if a lot of like why I really enjoy them wrestling is because I'm looking, I'm biased. I'm looking at it through rose colored mm-hmm. glasses. I can't, the only thing that I can recall from either of those matches where it looked like it was a botch or a mistake was in the first match when uh, Ray, I think he, he, he bonks his head pretty bad on the way down from mm-hmm. the top ropes um, and they call it out on camp commentary, and and he yeah. ends up having to pull out of the tournament that he's in and and abdicate his spot to his brother. Um, that's the only one uh, that I can recall. But and it wasn't so much that it was mistakes as much as it was just like really too obvious timing. Yeah, it was just really obvious yeah. timing. It didn't have that flow to it that you see because part of this is you know part of the choreography of wrestling is to make it feel like it's not choreographed is to make it feel natural. And I didn't feel that at all with this. I felt like this was a dance by two amateurs um, who were doing some non-amateur moves. I wonder if a lot of that comes from the... Because I'm not super familiar with the Lucha style that's Mm -hmm. prevalent in um, a lot of the Mexican promotions. Um, I wonder if if that is like their shtick that they have, quote-unquote, like with those promotions. It very well could be. Maybe. Maybe. but well, yeah, you'll I, have to do some research and, and watch some of the, the Mexican promotions and let me know. But yeah. I, And I don't want to crash this for anybody. And I don't want people like I don't want you to go back and be like watch it with, you know, more intention. It's just something that I noticed that really mm-hmm. bothered me. Um, but that wasn't the worst part. <laughs> I'm really excited to hear. I I honestly I was expecting you to really like these two. So I'm like. I'm, I'm shocked. I liked like the aerial stuff, and it just it was hard because of the over choreographed stuff that just the timing was seemed a little off. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst part, and I'm I mean it's like five different times I write this. What the hell is with the slapping? Oh, the chopping. Is that what it's called? Yeah, chopping. It's it's horrible. It's so corny. I, Have you ever seen the chest of some of these competitors after they go through like a whole chopping match? I mean, yeah, I'm watching them and they're obviously getting, I mean, getting slapped hurts, folks. It's not, don't, please do not get me wrong. I do not think that slapping one another is an easy thing on the body or whatnot. But to watch two very strong, very athletic, grown men 
just slap at each other's chest and with such intensity where they were like, you know, hit me and they would tap their chest. And it just became a it felt like a schoolyard fight. Mm -hmm. It was so corny. Yeah. And (laughs) I love it. I love it. I think you're right. Because they all do it. It, it's Every so one of these cool. matches does it. So yeah, it, chopping is one of those things in wrestling where it's it's just straight up. I, I don't want to say machismo because even like you get some. Um, there's actually um, a, a Joshi in AEW, uh, Ryo Mizunami, fucking phenomenal. She won the last AEW Women's Tournament. Okay. Um, but so that's something that you see a lot of with competitors is like just that that drive to prove themselves tougher and stronger than the person to just go to go to chopping like that's like it's like an arm wrestling match but for wrestlers um i can totally see why people wouldn't think it's stupid and and doesn't work or it's corny or whatever if you don't watch it yes i love it though i love it it's just it always gets me pop i don't know there's one i'll send you a link uh there's this one uk wrestler uh or he's in nxt uk uh his name is walter in all caps and his whole shtick is he just chops people to fucking death like I'll send you a link, but yeah, no, anyways, continue. Okay. Continue. So, and I wrote on here, I, I don't see how they don't end up broken, because again, the the aerial moves, the acrobatics in mm-hmm. this match were so amazing. Ray Phoenix um, is, I don't understand how, he can control his own gravity or something. I don't understand how he does yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think back to, um, was it um, Superfly Snuka, I think it was, uh, back in WWF mm-hmm. days, you know, 80s. And he was probably the first person I ever saw do any sort of like jumping off the ropes and flips and stuff. And it felt like that. Like it was yeah. nuts how high he would get. And like, I mean, just. And that's not even. Look... The, sorry, those matches aren't even the craziest like example of, excuse me, of the things that he can do. Um, mm. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, I, I mean, there that aspect of it I liked. Uh, let's talk about the two count on this. Mm-hmm. This match, it, in my opinion, it was extremely overdone. I can I can understand how a two count can build that momentum, and you mentioned that before, mm-hmm. uh, how it builds that momentum and it gets you more excited. But in this particular match, the first one, it felt so overdone that I just stopped caring. I'm like, each time they got pinned, like, I didn't even expect it to be a pin anymore because, oh, well, they're just going to break out of it because they've already done it. I There was probably 10 to 15 times where it was done. And I just feel like in a 15-minute match, that's excessive. That mm-hmm. that takes away – when something's supposed to be uh, dramatic and you overplay it, it's like going to a haunted house and every corner somebody scares you. All of a sudden, that scare is no longer scary because mm-hmm. it's just – you're expecting it. Um, and I, I didn't like that. I thought the choreography on that was like a bad Saturday Night Live match. So when, so on that match where there's two count after two count after two count, when they finally had a three count, what what was your reaction? Uh, well, I wrote down here, the finish was awesome. That first match finish was fucking awesome. <laughs> so, but that I don't think that had anything to do with the multiple two count, two count, two count. Mm-hmm. I think that just had to do with just the thrill of uh, what the action was more than anything. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing here is, um, uh, oh, the punching on part on part two uh, was looked like a because they do punch in that one, mm-hmm. and it looked like a bunch of four year olds punching each other. 
Like, yeah. none of those punches looked real. That was horrible. That's the thing. That's like the closest thing I've ever come to complaining about wrestling is like just the awful work punches. Mm-hmm. You see that in so many different matches and so many different, like, it just, it, it always looks bad. Like, yeah. I'd rather see a, a, the forearm or the elbow or the slap, to be honest with you, than seeing that fake punch. It's just too fake. Yeah, um, I could see that. What's the point of the ref? The ref. Uh, yeah. To to count the, the pinfalls? Is that it? Yeah, because there's count the literally nothing and then also, else they do. They also make sure that they don't do anything overtly illegal. Like, if they touch the ropes, um, that means the the wrestlers have to separate and break. Mm-hmm. Um, they have five seconds to do so if they get to the ropes. There's supposed to be a 10 second count on outside. AW yeah. never does it. Uh, very yeah, rarely they talk do they about do it. it. Get back in, get back in. Yeah. But... Um, but other than that, it's just to make sure and make sure that obviously the competitors are, are good to do it. Um, you'll notice after every big bump or big spot, the ref will usually get close to each wrestler or the wrestler who took the bump mm-hmm. to check on them. Like this is something that might break your immersion, but a little bit. But if you ever notice a ref lean down and touch the hand of a competitor, you'll mm-hmm. always notice that they they touch it and uh, do a slight squeeze. And if the competitor, it's a it's an unspoken rule that if the competitor squeezes, they're good. If they don't squeeze, call the match off. So okay. you'll probably notice that just more. to let you. So interesting. Um, it doesn't happen all the time. Um, you see that so a lot. So it's kind of a. So would you say that's kind of a way for the wrestlers to stop a match without breaking the immersion of the match itself because they honestly are hurt in some way? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Generally. Now, I I noticed that in AEW, they don't often do that. You'll see that a lot in like AEW, or uh, um, sorry, WWE. AEW, they'll still utilize that, the hand squeeze, but um, a lot of times they'll, the refs will rely on like just calling out to the the people. Um, So there's been a couple matches where I've actually seen the wrestler like nod to the ref like i'm so good to go which i don't know it doesn't necessarily break the immersion for me because like i'm still in my mind like they're still competitors like they're still athletes they're still doing shit like yeah hopefully they would you know not do it if they're still fucked up but i um, do think i think part of the reason i didn't like these matches i mean obviously the dance was felt a little off the slapping i didn't like the dramatic leg shaking that these two do when they get grabbed was a little much um they get pulled and they shaking. yeah like like when they get locked in a headlock or whatever who's ever being locked up will like take their leg and shake it really hard like they're it's just it was a lot I didn't um, <laughs> but the thing that i think so all of those frustrated me but i mm-hmm. think the one thing if, if i had to pinpoint what is the one thing about these two matches that bothered me more than anything obviously eddie um <laughs> but the announcing wasn't as good and I think that's because Eddie was there and there was like, I get there was that trying to play back and forth between the announcer. And I don't know if you remember Mean Gene, um, who was the like, um, he was, I don't know that he announced in WWF back in the 80s. He did uh, a lot of the interviews and uh-huh. he would kind of banter with the wrestlers and talk shit back and forth and whatnot. And so it reminded me of that. But in the other match, the wrestling was or the other matches, the re- the announcers were telling the story alongside of it. And in the wrestling this was one, the focus. The wrestling was the focus, and the announcers were telling that story. In this one, I felt like it wasn't. It was more about this beef with Eddie, and yeah. I just didn't like it. I didn't feel like it was the announcing was mm-hmm. immersive or anything. 
Yeah, and, and that bothered me. That's totally fair. Totally fair. Um, thinking back on it now, I probably could have given you better uh, examples from AEW that because because these t- these two matches were heavily involved with the storyline with Eddie Kingston and his kind of like faction, mm-hmm. and then the um, comeback of of Pac, which I don't know if you saw that at the end of the one of them, uh, uh, the short dude with the long hair. I don't know if you watched that mm, long. I think so. Um, that's Pac. He's amazing wrestler. Really, really good. Um, he had a faction with the two Lucha brothers before he got quarantined back in um, England due to COVID. And then Eddie Kingston is legitimate friends with Penta. It's like they kind of mm-hmm. spun him into the faction. So there was like this oh, whole Oh, it's his other... best friend. Yeah, yeah. He says that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they kind of spin it into a storyline with Eddie Kingston being on commentary. And they do that a lot, AEW does. And I can definitely see why some people are against it and, and don't uh, like that extra kind of like layer of storytelling with the with the announcement and the, the commentators. Um, yeah, I think I just think it so, could have been balanced a little bit better. Uh, I will say, but that's fucking go ahead. Eddie Kingston. His when he, I don't know if you caught the. There's one line where like uh, Excalibur, one of the guys, he like misspeaks one of the names, and Eddie Kingston mm-hmm. calls him out on it. And then like he's like, "Oh yeah, throw your pencil down." And then the guy's like, "Well, at least it wasn't my phone." Eddie Kingston, he lost a match to John Moxley and like legitimately broke his phone. Like it's oh, one of the things gosh. that people are like. It, do people know that does he think it's real because he broke his phone yeah <laughs> yeah i didn't like him and i i actually yeah. wrote that twice once in the first one the idiot talking annoys me and the second one i hate eddie i know my name um yeah he's lame uh <laughs> so, what did you think what did you think about the mask ripping so when i watched that dude i was shocked yeah, and and I heard that with the announcing, they obviously talk about that, and they really bring it like I, you know, oh my god, oh my god. As somebody who doesn't watch it, it it didn't matter to me at all. Um, yeah. I, I do understand as far as story wise, and I did look a little bit up with the uh, luchadors that I mean, they would never take their masks off. Ripping uh, somebody's mask is definitely out of bounds. So then to do that with your own brother. Um, it, I get it. You know, they were really selling that this was deep seated hatred and there was anger and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I, I appreciated that. I did like, um, was it the second match where there was sort of that moment of we're brothers, we don't have to do this sort of thing. And then it went yeah, right it was back one to fighting again. Yeah. It was yeah, one and, of them. And I like that. Yeah. I knew yeah. that was going to happen. I mean, obviously a tag team match. I mean, that's, it has to happen in the story at some point. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm glad you sent me this one, and I know you just said that you know you wish you would have sent this other one, but I'm glad you sent it because it does show the difference in how announcing can change what this is, and, and really it puts so much more uh, value on the announcer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I did for that reason. I'll say I enjoyed watching it, if for nothing else than to know what I don't like in wrestling at all. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. If you like the style of Kenny Omega and you like the acrobatics of Ray Phoenix, they did have a match together a few, I think it was at the beginning of the year. And I think it's still currently considered the best match they put on or maybe like at least of the male competitors. Um, so I'll send you a link to that. If you're interested, it's not too long. I think it's like maybe 20 minutes at most. Maybe I'll watch it. Send it. We'll see. It's super good. Super, maybe super next good. month when uh, we re-record, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, this, <laughs> matches that i i watched and do a little follow-up on this episode 
for sure. Uh, okay, all right. so we so got, that was uh, yeah, that was the Lucha Brothers. Uh, yep. So I guess we Lucha have Lucha Brothers a, against each other. Lucha Brothers against each other. So now we have the last episode of Bob Ross. Um, yes, I don't have much more to say on the matter. I said most <laughs> of my piece with the first episode, um, but I will say I love that the, this painting is like leaps and bounds better than the first one the end result i really really like this the last piece which is such like a, a face value take on the yeah. uh, the episode and i'm not saying the first piece was bad by any means and from a walk in the woods but this one with like the, the sunset and the meadow and the tree i i really really like that piece and the um, pre-made part of it was interesting how yeah, it created the shadows i thought that was wild so that's one thing i was gonna ask is he like at some point did he start doing that more because he there's only so much you can paint with a blank canvas I, or something. Probably. So with the wet on wet technique, from what I could read, is they, they he always paints his canvas beforehand. Apparently, you have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, canvas is really porous. So when you're doing the wet on wet, I guess it doesn't quite hold or something. So they pre-paint the canvas. Um, one episode I watched not too long ago, uh, and I don't know why I watched it, but I ended up coming across this. He paints the canvas with like clear colors and then as he paints white on top of it it brings those colors out which was just wild yeah um but yeah it's it's definitely just this sort of he already has to pre-paint it so that just added depth uh and contrast where instead of doing the wet on wet technique that would create its own depth and contrast yeah Um, which i I think turned out really well i think it looked really good and on top of that he kind of going back you know we mentioned earlier that he maybe seemed like a little nervous on the first episode. Mm-hmm. This one, he just felt like supernatural, like this is what he yep. meant to do. Um, and so it was really cool to see like that growth uh, physically, mentally, um, as a painter, as a creative, as um, as just a human being. Like I thought that growth, that mm-hmm. the difference between the first episode of Bob Ross and the last episode of Bob Ross, like, it was really, really cool, really beautiful to see. Um, I love the little shout out to his director. <laughs> I liked when he yes. was like, I'm getting to my, what do you say? He's like, I got a mean director back here or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I got to hurry up. Um, I love the whole, I've seen, the, like, I've seen the meme before where he, the camera tracks his, his brush when he's cleaning it. He like, mm-hmm. he, you know, dumps it and then <laughs> on the little thing. Uh, I've seen that. Shake like, the cool devil thing. out of it. Shake the devil out of it. And he even laughs. Like, he knows. Like, it's fucking funny. Or beat the devil out of it. Yeah. It, it, it became a tagline of his. Yeah. Um, I, I love that he shit. Just, yeah. Like I said, he keeps giggling when he does it, too. Like, it makes himself <laughs> laugh. Uh, yeah. And I always find that amusing. It's so innocent when people can say a, an innocent joke and make themselves giggle. Yep. Very wholesome. <laughs> um, so you, you kind of touched on that. It's a hundred percent, you know, better than the first one. He's a lot more fluid in it. Uh-huh. Uh, the painting's different. Um, and I, I wrote this down too. How do you start a painting with a painting already done? <laughs> I mean, yeah. you could have, you could have literally just did the sunset on that and been like, "There you go, <laughs> sun, like, shortest upset yeah. ever." Yep. Yeah. Um, I also I, I i really liked how. Uh, like, and this is something from like a creative perspective as a fellow creator he like super on the fly falling by the seat of his pants like he would not be an outliner like i am you know like he was in both paintings you know that for that were showcased mm-hmm. for this one we 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 um saw him already his 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 brush is to the canvas and he's and he hasn't decided for sure what he's going to do yet 
and it's until he starts touching the canvas that he starts like okay i'm gonna do this tree here like it's just cool it's a very cool style it, i like it, it. is really but like i it. want to break that glass for you oh no i'm going to because oh, no. obviously i did some reading um he actually paints three paintings for each show oh. um, he paints one beforehand as a reference painting he paints the one actually live on TV. That one's live. There's no like in the cooking shows where, you know, they use three different dishes or whatever. That's actually live. Uh-huh. And then after the show, he paints another one with more detail uh-huh. and more whatever else for the book. Okay. Yeah. I, when I read that, I was like, no shit. I was like, okay. Makes sense. Um, so I want to switch gears here a little bit on more of well one thing he said is everyone needs a friend even an old tree yeah i love the commentary that he gives um so i kind of want to touch on some of the things that i know about bob ross just from reading this and some other times in the past because i think his story is worth telling um you know he ran for 11 years and you'll notice on the end of this one he talks about coming back you know call your people let them come back this was the very last episode. Uh, Bob Ross died of a, I think, lymphoma uh, the very next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knew that he had this. I could not find how long he knew because he's very private. Even to this day, he was very private. Yeah. Uh, his family still holds a lot of this stuff back. Um, so he, like I mentioned earlier, he was in the Air Force for 20 plus years and decided he wanted to do something that wasn't yelling. And, you know, he did live in Alaska for 12 years, which there's an Air Force base up there. Um but he, he did this. He, to my, the best that I can understand, he was sick on camera during these last episodes yep. and just came to work and did his thing. Um, I'm assuming that he knew that he didn't have long to live. Um, I don't know for certain. It's hard to tell. Um, but I do like that he really just kept pushing. And it was kind of sad when he talks about, you know, we're going to have another episode. Cause, because I already knew that going into this episode. Um, yeah. I've seen his stuff before. But something that threw me was at the very end of this episode, he says, if you're ever in Branson, Missouri, come see us. I did notice that. Do you know I searched high and wide and far and low to look for any reference of him in Branson, Missouri? There's none. It's the only episode he ever mentions of it. There's nothing in this town except for Dick's Five and Dime, which has like a, a Bob Ross section. What? I'm so confused. I don't know. I did notice that. I was like, oh, hey, shout out to to Branson. I wanted you to watch Bob Ross, and I thought about him mainly for just the the calmness. And Mm -hmm. I think it was my brother had posted something on Facebook about it or Instagram, and I just kind of was like, you know, I haven't seen Bob Ross in a while. I'll check him out. And I immediately got back into just sort of how relaxing and calming it is and sort of just entertained by his demeanor and his funny little things that he says Mm -hmm. and just fascinated by how good of a painter he is in such a a tight window. Um, So I wanted to share that with you so that you could also maybe enjoy that. Maybe it's something, you know, if you're bored one day and like getting a little anxious or whatnot, or I'm a little tense, maybe I'll watch Bob Ross and, but from a creative standpoint, I mean, he's not only creating this beautiful painting, but over the 11 years, just how much better that show became. And you wouldn't think it, a man with an easel and some paints mm-hmm. and two-camera setup, but it really did change drastically. For one, there was no background noise. Yeah. yeah. So I guess they got out of that old basement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but also, he doesn't paint people. Um, 
He yeah. had had some people on throughout the years, I guess, that did uh, that did paint people. He doesn't paint people; it's always nature. Uh, mm-hmm. Occasionally, you'll see like a cabin or something, but very and but when he does it, there's no smoke, so it doesn't look like there are people there. Um, yeah, which I, I just found that really fascinating. Yeah, interesting. So, so that's all I got for the last, the very last ever episode of Bob Ross. I think I want to retroactively go back to the last episode that we did where we talked about where we did like the Q&A type thing mm-hmm. at one point I had asked you uh, or the discussion had come up like what, who are some people that we would alive or dead that we would love to to have done something with mm-hmm. I want to change my answer to Bob Ross okay like I think he would have been someone phenomenal just to just to chat with for a couple minutes even at the bare minimum he could have been really, really cool. Yeah, he seems like somebody that would have been one. I mean, twenty years in the Air Force alone is worth spending some time talking to. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I think he would have definitely been an interesting person to talk to. I think it would have been very casual. Um, but something tells me he would have been happier listening to your story. Like he just seems like the type of person that he he knew who he was. He didn't need mm-hmm. to know who he was anymore. He wanted to know who you were and why he wanted to spend more time with you. And I, yeah, uh, coincidentally, because this is a gaming podcast as well, and we talk about board games, there is a board game called Bob Ross or Bob Ross's Paintings. Mm-hmm. I believe you can get it at Target. It's by a company. Um, oh shit i can't remember what the hell the company's name is they do quite a bit of games uh based on bigger ips Uh Uh, i've heard good stories i've never played this one i've heard some good stuff about it being a family weight game so by all means check out your local target or walmart and see if you can get a hold of it it might actually be called bob ross's the joy of painting board game uh i see bob ross the art of chill maybe that's it maybe that's it there's a monopoly bob ross no, no, we don't ever talk about Monopoly. No, that's fine. Monopoly's all right. Yeah, I think it's The Art of Chill. There's Happy Little um, Accidents, which is a game. Who uh, who made The Art of Chill? Mm, let me open it. Uh, Big G Creative, I guess? Yeah, I don't think that's it. But anyway, go to, go well, to your local... Well, that's who's selling it, I guess. On... Okay. Go to your local Target and check it out if you're interested but definitely go and check out uh, Bob Ross. He's mo- I think everything is on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, so you can check it out. But yeah, that was uh, the very last episode of Bob Ross. What's next? Uh, I believe you have the last match I, I recommended to you. Yes. Which? The last match. I'm very interested to see how you think about this one. All right. Talking about okay. needing like storylines and character development and all that shit to fully like enjoy something and 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 uh respect it Mm -hmm. this one is definitely one of those ones but i think in the last like little bit it was the best one to suggest from WWE. you in the writing said that even though wwe is not your favorite promotion you felt like you had to at least give me one of them yes at least a recent one but yeah Okay. There's many um, that I can th- recommend to you that are really good that are not recent. But. Recent, yeah. And, and I've watched WWE in the past, and I mentioned that. Um, Roman Reigns versus Jay Uso. Um, you gave me the backstory mm-hmm. on these two. They are uh, real-life cousins. Yep. Um, and they play that way. Roman Reigns turned into a bad guy. What do you call that again? A uh, heel. Turned or something? A heel. He healed. 
he turned heel. Uh-huh. Um, and he became a bad guy, and he, his shtick became was it not being the king, being the tribe leader or the tribal chief, head of the, the table. tribal chief. Mm-hmm. Yes, and they showed some video of this, and I guess he wanted his cousins to acknowledge that he was the tribal chief. Mm-hmm. And that sort of became the reason for this. Now, this match is called a Hell in a Cell match, which is why you never... They got out of the ring, but never out of the cell. Yes. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't. <laughs> and, and more than that, it's the first I Quit match in Hell in a Cell since... I think they talked about it on commentary briefly since like the early 2000s or something. So first so one in a long time. Was... That was interesting because I didn't realize that that's what it was. This whole I quit match of the the person had to say I quit, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, much like, I guess, uh, MMA where they tap out sort of thing. But they, they have to actually say the words I quit yeah. uh, for the they, match to be over. They either have to say I quit or they have to be in such a state that the referee makes the call that they cannot continue. Yeah, well, I mean, there were some parts in this match where maybe he should have done that. But anyway. He tried. um, He tried. Yeah, yeah. I liked, uh, you mentioned that, I think you mentioned that you didn't like the uh, TVs all over the place and whatnot. Because this one is not done in front of a live audience. It was done on uh, web. Um, I thought that it was really neat that they put, they filled the arena with TVs and the people's faces. And I thought that was a cool way to do it. I mean, they call it the Thunderdome. Um, it's a Got product it. of, uh, obviously, the pandemic in the last year um, of 2020. And uh, they can no longer have people there for their live shows. So they, um, I guess they raffle off or maybe they, they you have to purchase a, um, a ticket to get in to watch pretty much over Zoom or an equivalent Interesting. to watch it. Um, and that's where the screens come from. Uh, I don't believe that the screens that are there like i don't think it's like webcams i think it's just projections of somebody webcamming in but it's not like a web like that's not the person's point of view looking down like through webcam um they still just see the live stream that we would see yeah 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 yeah. i i've realized that i'm just it's kind of like i'm sitting here watching you and it would just be that face you're just watching them watch the show and i think that was kind of cool because you can every once in a while you sort of see their reactions Mm -hmm. um and yeah, I, I think that that was a really neat thing to do, whoever came up with that. I think it's neat to even see all of the TVs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't have to do that. They could have just, you know, I think that adds to it. It mm-hmm. gives that feeling of of having an audience there. It gives the feeling when you're watching them that other people are watching as well. Yeah. And there is a sort of, um, and you saw this in the other matches, there is that sort of uh, camaraderie amongst fans. You know, you're all enjoying the same thing together. Mm-hmm. So so I thought that was neat. Um, and on top of that, uh, being in the Thunderdome, one of the big advantages of that is they don't have a live audience. I mentioned this in the email I sent to you, but I'll bring it up now. Because there's no live audience there, they're able to have those moments where you can hear the wrestlers talking and they can use that dialogue to progress the story. Um, yes. Which does help. Yes, and I do talk about that. So... I'm just stomping all over first, your notes, dude. <laughs> no, no, I love it. Uh, the first thing is them coming in. This is the wrestling I remember. This is a heavy production. Mm-hmm. There's obviously a lot of money being fueled into this. Um, the storytelling right from the get-go is prevalent. Um, the announcing is is 
far superior to the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, the choreography is far superior to the other ones. Like you know that there is time and money and effort and intention put into this, and the theatrics of this are just a thousand times better. Mm-hmm. Um, I truly enjoyed watching this. This made me feel like a little boy again watching wrestling. So I appreciate this because I really did enjoy this for what it was. There were some parts of it I was like, <sighs> but overall, like this is like, man, I do remember watching wrestling. I enjoyed it. Um, I like that they had managers. Uh, well, yeah. at least um, I think Roman Reigns had a manager. I don't think Jey Uso did. Yeah, correct. Um, so I like that because that was, you know, that was something I remember from back in the day. Jimmy Hart um, was just one of the best ones with his megaphone and stuff. Um, but just like, like I said, the the choreography and the announcing, the announcing just solidly told the entire story. Yeah, it really stayed in focus. Um, even the jokes and the off-color comments and whatnot still pushed a story, much like what that other match was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. This one felt like it was doing. Yeah. Um, you you couldn't watch it on mute. There'd be no way. Like, I would not enjoy watching this match on mute. Like you said, you can hear the wrestlers talking. Uh, there's a lot in there throughout this match mm-hmm. that if you watched it on mute, you just, it wouldn't be as exciting. Yeah. And um, there's an intensity to that. Uh, definitely made it more entertaining. Um, what... There was a part in here. I wrote this note down. I I don't even remember what the hell I meant. The girl looked like she thought, "What a freak!" It would have been in the beginning of that. The was that the ref was a the girl in this one? No, it wasn't. It was that guy. Who was the girl in this one? Oh, uh, it was probably the announcer. Okay, she just looked at him and it's just like a really weird look. Like oh, you're gross. Like leave me alone, type of thing. It just cracked me up. <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't that important after the fact because I can't remember it, but I did. It was important enough to write a note. Yeah, so I think that was probably the announcer. I I think. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's the announcer because there was no other. Yeah, they don't have ring girls or anything. Yeah. Um. All right. So, again, the fucking slapping. The fucking slapping, like. Chopping it. Chopping, whatever. Called it's chopping. Chops. Even the announcers call it slapping. <laughs> so... Well, WWE is weird. They don't like to use insider terms, quote unquote. Oh, well, they're they're blazing the trail. I guess. <laughs> um, I have here the USO or the USO splash. <laughs> yeah, that was that cracked me up. Um, <laughs> there was so at one point. Jey Uso grabs a, quote, leather belt. Um, yeah. Sure. It probably wasn't leather, but sure. Yeah. Uh, he grabs the leather belt. It's not a belt. It's like a strap. Yeah. It's a fucking tie-down strap. And he starts to beat Roman Reigns with it. Mm-hmm. And that goes on for a little while. And then some things happen. And Roman Reigns grabs that uh, strap back. Uh-huh. And I had to quote him here because I died laughing. He hits him a couple of times. He goes, I'll do the whipping around here. That <laughs> like, oh, was so ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> oh, it, it fit. It, it so fit, but it just caught me so off guard. And I was dying laughing when he said it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll die laughing now. Um, I don't care how fake 
that strap is. I don't care what you do to it, make it vinyl, make it whatever. That had to hurt. That was a lot of whipping back and forth. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, I don't like the I quit match. I I don't like that format. Um, Mm -hmm. I felt like it was just a, it, it was a clever way to, um, elongate the match. It was a clever way to add some more dramatic without the stupid one, two count. Um, so I was happy about that. Uh, to laugh with the ref. There were a couple of times where it was like, he was begging them. Just say it. Just say, I quit. Do you say I quit? Like, just please. Like, I don't want to see you get beat up anymore. Yeah, please. Um, because it, it got pretty nasty. I mean, that, that whole scene with the Uso on the side and, uh, Roman Reigns like grabbed the stairs mm-hmm. and starts smashing it into him. Yep. Um couple of those I-, I can't imagine were that bad, but then it just like it turned a point where Roman Reigns like came unglued. Yeah. And uh and and that was exciting. Like that that part because all of a sudden, you know, the ref gets thrown out of the cage. Um other people came into the cage, but nobody could stop him and he didn't care anymore. Like Jey Uso wasn't quitting. Roman Reigns was going to he was going to kill him. Like that was it. Like mm-hmm. that was that was the only option was to kill him. Yep. And and that turn was was great cuz he said uh <laughs> I can't be held responsible. I can't be held, be held responsible for this. Actually you can. Yep. That'd be murder. Murder. Um, murder. You're responsible. You, know, yep. you could stop. Uh, I'm going to take this to the next level. <laughs> yep. And then it became the good old fashioned ref throwing. Let's throw the ref out of the like literally throw him out of the oh, ring. Oh yeah, he went he went far. Yeah. And hard. <laughs> yes. And I, I always enjoyed that in the old days because I think he might have actually got it. injured from that. He might have. I think he legitimately uh, got injured from that. Well you you watch in the old days and when that kind of stuff would happen, it was like awesome you know these mm-hmm. these refs are just as much of athletes and just as much of that story and when i asked that question in the last matches what's the point of the ref that is the point folks and i do know that the the ref is there to tell the story as well mm-hmm. the rules of the match blah 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 it's choreographed it's fake we know that the ref is there to enhance the story and sell this match as being a little bit more realistic yeah if you didn't have it there it it definitely would take a lot away and it gives it that presence of oh it's a match it's an actual sporting event and somebody's gonna win or lose and but realistically no that ref is there to sell the story yeah and i think a good ref can make you know well a ref whether good or bad can make or break the match i would imagine yeah um and that's something so that um I noticed that AEW hardly ever does. The other promotion that we were talking about earlier, they mm-hmm. very rarely have their refs interact as much as like WWE refs might, where like you know they might get tossed out of the thing or they might get hit with a spot, and now the refs are out and maybe like the person's they're pinning the person they're pinned for five ten seconds, but the ref isn't there to count. You see that all the time with WWE. Hardly ever yeah. see it with AEW. I personally like that. I like a clean finish. Uh, to a match, but I know a lot of people like that. The it's not a dirty finish, but it's like a, a um. There's an actual term for it. I don't know, but that type of finish where it's like not as clear cut. Yeah, it happens more in WWE, but yeah. yeah, 
it, it was fun. I mean, I just, I really felt like there was just more entertainment and a lot more story from the entertainers. The talking during the match, I thought was yeah. a lot better. Um, I felt the emotion. I felt like they were really pushing the acting. It didn't feel as corny as it is. It didn't feel as corny. Yeah. There was, there was moments in there where it felt like, you know, I found, I felt real emotion. I really felt emotional towards it. And this, this kind of, um, what was happening with the story and that's good storytelling and good story writing. Yes. Um, so, you know, when you suggested that, well, let me, let me finish that last part here. Uh, so finally this other guy who I believe was Uso's brother. Yes. Jimmy comes Uso. in. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Jimmy Uso comes in and he just tries to protect his brother and he tries to reach out to, uh, Ray and, um, Roman and tries to get him to sort of like connect. And there's this moment, this intensity of Roman's trying to figure out, does he want to, does he want to, he's like, you know, we're family, we're family, you know, it's, it's great. And I loved the, that. And I wrote down here right before it happened, he's going to hit him. He's going to hit him. Like I knew it was going to happen. Um, and hell yes. yeah. Uh, yes. With multiple explanation points. Cause I was so happy when he whooped his ass. <laughs> I, I got really into this match. Man, you're like a um, real life heel. You love these heel people. Oh yeah, yeah. I just I love that part, and I loved what happened. Like he grabs him, he puts him into um, the guillotine, mm-hmm. and he's holding them. And then you see the two brothers; they're grabbing hands. He's pulling for his brother, who's knocked the hell out for all intents and purposes. And he's pulling for his brother, and that gave him the energy. And then his brother gets up, and he just looks at him, and he goes, "I quit, man. I quit. I quit." And, like, I almost wanted to cry. It was so much intensity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I know why you watch this stuff. Like, I get it. You're a storyteller. This is live. This is theater mm-hmm. is what professional wrestling is. It is theater. And for anybody out there who wants to argue that, come at me, bro. Like, <laughs> this is absolutely live theater that is rehearsed. It is choreographed. It is practiced. Um it is written out, uh, and there is improvisation in it. There is athleticism in it. Uh, it's absolutely theater. And it, any artist or any person, when we talked before about consuming better to create better, and we talked in that episode about, you know, when you're looking at something, learning to, as an artist, as a creator, learning to experience other forms of creation, uh, other forms of creation, other forms of creative media, and learning to experience them for what they are and finding those good things in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed this exercise a lot. I mean, I, I haven't watched wrestling in a while. I, I probably won't watch a lot of it. You send me something here and there. I'm not going to get lost in it. I feel like it's a lot like a soap opera. You could yeah. really go down a, a path and just, for sure. I don't have the time for that in my life. Um, I do remember the old days, with, like I said, with Goldberg, The Rock, uh, and just some of those. Uh, what was uh, the big pop of pump and his, you know, 18 inch <laughs> oh, biceps or whatever. Scott Steiner. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I love that I mean, guy. <laughs> there was, you want to talk about somebody who really knew how to work the crowd and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's a lot of entertainment value in this, and I won't knock that from anybody that wants to watch it and get into it. Uh, personally, I, I just think there's a lot more things in my life I'd rather do totally fair. Uh, than get lost in that. Totally fair. Um, but I'm glad you put this one in there because, yeah, this one was fantastic. My favorite one of the four. Awesome. Loved it. 
really enjoyed it. Like I said, I was yelling. I was, you know, there with them. I was feeling it. So yeah, kick ass, man. This was a great one. I'm glad you enjoyed um, it. I um, I'm glad. You know, it was sort of. Um, I think when I first suggested these to you, I was really worried that you're gonna shit and hate on all of them, um, <laughs> which is totally your right. Like it, like I've been yeah. saying, art is subjective. Um, so, uh, hearing that you enjoyed this one, you know, you at least tolerated the others. Uh, it was good. Like I, I, yeah. I think that's as, as best an outcome as I um, probably could have expected. Um, I did want to take a moment and point out um, to anyone getting upset by the ones I suggested. Uh, <laughs> I suggested these uh, with very specific parameters in mind. I said I wanted to showcase New Japan. I wanted to uh, showcase AEW. Uh, which in my mind also encompasses a lot of the indie style as well that you see in America. And I wanted to showcase, um, uh, and uh, along with AW, by suggesting Lucha Brothers, that also gives a taste of um, Lucha Libre style wrestling. And I also wanted to showcase WWE. But I wanted to also do everything that was recent in those three. Because um, I remember, I think you mentioned briefly at one point that you, or maybe I imagine like if he's that old... <laughs> you if you're that I old i have you, talked about it you've yeah. probably seen wrestling at some point like most people have seen wrestling yes. at some point in their life so i was like i don't want to suggest anything too old just to make sure that it's something completely new that he would have he would never seen before um mm-hmm. and it's also it's the t- style of storytelling that's being told right now in wrestling like right now that's the stories and that's the type of promotions that are being ran um and so that's why i wanted to suggest them so uh, and i we might get this. I doubt it. I don't know. All four listeners out there. Um, there's. I considered contrasting this with MMA and decided against it. Uh, but I do want to throw one thing out because it, it, you'd be hard-pressed not to per- put this person on blast here. Um, Conor McGregor. Oof. Yeah. MMA typically is – they're just two different sports. You know, MMA is a sport. Wrestling is theater and athleticism. Mm-hmm. Um this type of wrestling, obviously, not Olympic wrestling and stuff. Uh, Conor McGregor, I think, in MMA world, does a lot of what these wrestlers do with mm-hmm. bringing a story and presumably a character to life, but also kicking the shit out of people and getting his ass kicked, too. Yep. Uh, really hitting and punching. And, you know, it's just two different things. And I think a lot of times when people talk about professional wrestling, that always gets kind of thrown into the mix as a compare and contrast. And I just don't think it's a fair contrast because it's not they're not the same thing Um, which is why we didn't go into depth with that but i did want to give that shout out kind of not like i like the guy but conor mcgregor really did bring that storytelling character to life in mma so Mm -hmm. who knows maybe in the future we'll see uh harder hits in wrestling and more storytelling in mma who knows maybe all (laughs) right i think that leaves us to the last bit we're uh the last bit man we're over two hours i think this might be the longest one we've gotten it might be. I don't. We'll have to discuss whether or not we want to split it in half or just let it ride. We'll see. Maybe. Um, Who knows? The last one. Last episode ever of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mr. Rogers. Um, 2001. 2001. 1967 to 2001. 40, almost 40 years. I think it's 30, what, 36 years? Something like that. 34 years. 34 years. Long time. I yeah. I infinitely enjoyed this episode. Uh, more than the previous one and again like with bob ross it's not that i didn't enjoy the first episode just it 
felt differently to me. Mm -hmm. This one, it was in color. This one was in color. Um, it, uh, I liked the um, the montages of the uh, people showing love for each other and then the people mm -hmm. creating something um, mm -hmm. or doing art, uh, different types of art. Um, I really liked those two montages. I thought they were great. I um I could imagine as a kid watching that that would be like fascinating. Like you never would want that montage to end. Um, yeah. I I even got to the point where I was like, ah, this is, if this whole episode was this montage, I'd be down, I'd be down for it. Uh, obviously. <laughs> um, it was well cut. It was definitely a, a really good montage. Yeah. Uh, the story in this one, it didn't really feel like there was that much of a story. I guess there was in the make believe neighborhood there was um like an art festival uh where they were bringing things to uh lady elaine who mm -hmm. uh which again you couldn't find her right away i, <laughs> I don't to hide. i don't understand lady elaine i don't understand <laughs> her i don't think i like her i just don't <laughs> don't want her on my screen uh okay i don't understand why she was the one judging the art the art festival was thrown in honor of the king was it not why was the king not king fairchild is that his name why was he not the yes. one Judging. Would you want after two episodes? Would you want that king judging anything? Yes, I liked no. him. I think he was a good man. <laughs> I think he was a good man and okay. a good king. He was strong. <laughs> Anyways, um, there was the um, the mayor or the governor. Who was the the lady with the nice jacket? Yeah, the mayor. The mayor. I didn't understand that. Which that doesn't also because I, I thought maybe like you know oh it's been thirty years maybe they got rid of the old the old. Um, style of government and overthrew the king or something i don't know like i've been down for that um that's some game of thrones shit and then <laughs> there's the other guy is he supposed to be like the contemporary maintenance dude uh, uh no the maintenance guy stayed the same oh. uh, which guy he's the dude he threw up the oh, thing yeah, and like yeah, the yeah, balloon yeah. with the, the trolley. trolley yeah um i don't know who he is but yeah the maintenance guy stayed the same he's just a different person okay. another character um so there's an art festival. Uh, you saw the uh, owl again, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that was the only returning character aside from the king and Lady Elaine. Um, mm -hmm. I don't remember how that story ended. I just remember there was an art festival. Lady Elaine was being stupid and giving number one prize to every other because she's yeah, she's um, yeah finicky. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, everyone gets first place really frustrates me. Um, if everyone gets first place, nobody gets first everybody place. Everybody loses is what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I'm trying to think about it from a child's perspective. Like, I'm trying to think what yes story no. they could possibly be telling and, and, and less to impart on the children. I don't know. So this one probably got some slack uh, because of that whole culture of everybody gets a participation ribbon, and that's kind of what it felt like. But as I watched it a little more intently, I noticed that the other characters were jesting about everyone getting first place. Uh -huh. It was a joke to them. So they realized that it wasn't necessarily that everybody did a great job so they all get first place. It was that Lady Elaine just couldn't decide. She wasn't yeah. capable of deciding and she didn't want to because she was happy with everything just the way she is and she wanted everybody else to be. So I was like, I think that helped it. But at first, I was getting kind of annoyed. I was like, no, Mr. Rogers, no. <laughs> yeah. We don't need that culture. Um, yeah. Uh, same song. Every episode actually had the exact same song he starts off with. Oh, really? Um, okay. If, yeah. If you watch uh, 
his documentary, he even talks about being on like a subway um, and people singing it and just going places and people just sing him that song. Um, and I thought that was really sweet. Um, I, I do wonder how long into the 34 years before they started adding video clips, because obviously that would have been something that picture in picture ordeal. Um, mailman, same mailman throughout the entire 34 years. Uh-huh. Uh, he actually has a documentary as well of being the mailman. After the episodes ended, he continued on, traveled the world, spreading uh, Mr. Rogers as the mailman. That's awesome. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I saw in a, the video. I saw a little bit of trivia. This is the first time that Mr. Rogers and the mailman shook hands. Oh, interesting. I I saw it on Wiki, yeah, I Wikipedia. I don't know if that's true or not, but I just saw yeah, that. Maybe. Maybe. Um, something I thought was unique was, or not unique, but I guess really fascinating, especially for 2001. I mean, this is 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and when we're watching that montage. It was so diverse and inclusive for just about everything. Now, I didn't see there was no openly and it didn't um, feel open forced. representation. No, there was no open representation of um, the LBTQ generation um, that I could see. But there was definitely single parents. There was different ethnicities, um, different ages, different cultures, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, it didn't feel forced. It felt like a celebration of people, and it felt like as a child you could watch that and like children do. They don't see anything different. They don't see a, a person of color. Or they don't see a, a person. They just see another kid doing this thing, mm-hmm. and they want to do that too. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciated that. I, I To me, I think Fred probably did that by design. Yeah, I can imagine. Um I think he was um, probably been a big. He probably would have been a big proponent of the belief that representation matters, which, you know, I feel like that's that'd be a very difficult idea to not be behind. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I was a fan. There's watches. I, I won't get too far into it. There is there was a police officer that was on the series for a long time running. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a black man. Um, at one point during the, I guess it was the late 60s, early 70s, um, when there was a lot of like racial issues and whatnot happening, Mr. Rogers was outside and he has his feet in a pool, like a little kiddie pool. And he invites him to sit beside him and put his feet in the pool as well. And that was kind of a breach. But then later on, you find out that he kind of pushed him into a marriage because he was gay and Mr. Rogers didn't want to portray that. So Interesting. on that side, of it, but not take a mind. I mean, he was a Presbyterian minister. So yeah. his, his worldview on that part was probably not where it needed to be and where it could have been had he been born, you know, 20, 30 years later. Yeah. Uh, so... He was progressive to a point, but still not quite as progressive as what we would like to see today. But again, that was 20 years ago when the last episode aired. Yeah. Um, so it's still progressive for his time, and I can appreciate and value that. Go Watching ahead. those two episodes really makes me want to watch the um, the Tom Hanks movie. Huge fan of I'd Tom watch Hanks. The, so. Watch the documentary first. I actually preferred the documentary over the Tom Hanks movie. I think the movie was good. Mm-hmm. I think Tom Hanks did a good job of that. But I I really enjoy the documentary a lot more just because I just I think Fred Rogers is a fascinating man or was a fascinating man. Um, <laughs> that first puppet, that very first puppet, I could have ripped that off of Fred's hand and thrown it away. 
That was annoying. I did not like that puppet. Did not like it one bit. It was loud. It was weirdly obnoxious. Which puppet um, was it again? I don't remember. It's just the first one that talks. And I'm like, no, stop. Why did we do this? Um, <laughs> and then there was a part. Um, was it the king that said it? Can you help me, toots? Oh, no. It was the thing that made the rocking chair. Who made the rocking chair? That was the owl, right? I, I don't remember. Maybe it was the owl. But I do remember somebody no, said, can you help me, Tuts? Like, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, and I was, I was like, like, I remember I was like, what the fuck? Mm. Like, that's old. Yeah. Nobody says that shit anymore. <laughs> like, Yikes. That was, yeah, that one, Um, that really get got me. Uh, yeah, this kind of got me. Um, 34 years. Um. I like that they they kind of had this invitation, create a festival, expressing yourself safely. Mr. Rogers talks about it, that at the end. And this whole, I guess the the last season, it was five episodes, and each of them were about arts and crafts in some way or shape or form. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one just kind of, you know, finishing that up. And I liked how he was talking to the audience. And you could tell he was older because he didn't talk as much. It was more in the land of make-believe. And it was more with the montage. So it probably was a little bit more exhausting for him. Um, he was pretty old at this time. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I liked how it's still, you know, the same. Still conversational. Still talking directly to the kids. Still kind of, you know, challenging them to be the best version of themselves. And, and still talking to them at a level where, you know, you think about like, and I said this earlier, where kids, you know the answer, and you so quickly want to correct them, but you shouldn't. We should allow kids to explore and learn things on their own. And, and when they tell you something that you already know, be excited for them. Act like you didn't know that, and they just taught you something, because that builds their character. That builds their confidence. Um, it doesn't deflate them. So, And I think we need to do that. You know, mm-hmm. We are responsible for this next generation. So when, when parents and, and people talk about, you know, oh, this fucking generation is a piece of shit, well, it's your fault. You raised them or you didn't help raise them. Mm-hmm. So you are responsible as an adult to help children. Be a coach. Be a volunteer. Be a teacher. You know, Find out a way that you can help your community out so that we can actually help the next generation instead of hindering them. And Fred did that for 34 years. He did that on national well, national public television. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like that. But here is what blew me away about this episode. Mm-hmm. Now, this was his very last episode. I do not know if the plan was to finish it or not. Um, I'm guessing that it was. Uh, like I said, he was pretty old. I'm pretty sure they knew it was going to end. They did not do a send-off. They did not bring all of the characters who had ever been there, who had been there for years, and bring them on and send them off. Actually, at one point, they even talk. He even mentions, we'll see you next time. Yep. I was about to, he never, I was about to yep. put that out. Just like he started where it seemed like it always was, he ends it where it seems like it always will be. And I thought that was absolutely brilliant and just a pleasure. I thought it was good. So very beautiful. And it, yep. It wasn't sad. It was consistent and consistency really folks is what kids need. It's what I think everybody kind of needs. Um, and that brings us to the end of episode nine. Take a gander above the board. Wow. How long Maybe was this? Episode 10 too. long time. You can't tell them because we're going to cut some things. Oh boy. <laughs> it's around two hours. Over um, two hours for sure. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so uh, great episode. I was really excited going into this one. Yeah. Really excited. I had a lot of fun watching these. Um, what are your thoughts? Same. I, I was very excited for this. Um, I was... So when you suggested Bob Ross and Fred Rogers to me, I was like, okay, I have to watch these old people. Whatever, <laughs> you know. And um, So I, I told myself, when you said you should watch these the wrestling matches back again, I was like, oh, that's a good point. I'm never going to turn down watching awesome wrestling matches. So I was like, but then I'm going to have to watch. So I, I really waffled back and forth. Am I going to watch a wrestling match and then a Fred Rogers? Or, you know, how am I going to do it? So I decided I was going to watch the wrestling matches back and then um, pretty much uh, splurge myself. Where I was like, okay, I'm going to watch these wrestling matches. I'm going to spend two hours watching these. Um, and then when I'm done with that, I'm going to do my due diligence. I'm going to watch the uh, the other ones. Bob Ross and the, and the Mr. Rogers. Uh, and I did, and, and I liked that. I think it was a, a good decision on my part to do it that way, personally. Um, I'm glad I watched the... I'm glad I watched all of it, honestly. I'm glad you suggested them. I'm, I think they were things that I totally missed. I was, I'm was just that right age where um, I missed Bob Ross completely, and then with uh, Mr. Rogers, I, um, I was... I guess I just never watched them growing up. Uh, I feel like I mainly watched more dumb shows, quote unquote, like Power Rangers mm-hmm. and like cartoons and shit like that. Um, Fair. So I never, so I totally missed them. I think it was, um, I think they both would have been super helpful for uh, for me personally growing up. Uh, kind of get me a head start on where I am now and, and growing as a person, as an empathetic person. Um, so. Okay. Thumbs up. Hey Jeremy, I heard I heard that we got a new song on our podcast. We for the did outro and intro. Yeah, we did. Uh we put it on the last episode and we forgot to mention anything about it. The last uh wrestling episode or take a gander. Wrestling. It's another one by Lux. Yep, a wrestling. Mm-hmm. You remember that one? Mm-hmm. It's a uh, Como Rebi? Como Rebi? Como Rebi. Como Rebi. Yeah. Uh we looked this up. It means it's Japanese for, for the sunlight light like, that filters through the the woods, yeah, through the trees, yeah. uh, which I think is a really cool word. It definitely evokes like a certain uh, type of feeling or emotion, at least for me, like very like yeah. I don't know about chill, but just like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like it's not chill, but it's like to that point where you're just like you're vibing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think vibin's probably a good word for it. And the song definitely reflects that. Uh, it does have that sort of laid-back, chill vibe to it, which, you know, that's what Lux does, and he does it so flawlessly. Uh, he yeah. actually just released a new EP, I believe it is. I think it's like four or five tracks. Could be more than that. Uh, again, mm-hmm. it's Lux. You can find him on Spotify. You can find him on Apple Music. Uh, definitely go out there. Local to my area, a uh, really good dude, uh, and we talked before. He he tells me constantly, it's not about the artist, it's about the music, and you know, just just a fantastically cool dude uh, and great great music. So get out there, support him, uh, check his stuff out, throw him some comments and rate his stuff. I'm sure he would appreciate them. Listen past all the nonsense, and you'll be able to hear Lux's full track on Komarebi. Where can we be reached? Uh, above the board podcast gmail.com twitter instagram 
maybe one day a Facebook or a Discord. We're still working on these things. Who knows? Um, so I think that's about all I've got to say. So, uh, yeah, folks, uh, we appreciate you. We'll see you next time. My name's Jeremy. My name is Bradley. Peace, love, happiness. Don't forget to love each other. Keep growing and becoming better human beings. <laughs> this is a funny train wreck. Oh, my God. Featured art. art, art, art.